All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are here this morning. It's a great day, isn't it? It's a little chilly. It was cold last night. I was looking forward to spring. I just can't help it. Well, we're glad you're with us this morning. Today we're going to be looking at um, how to overcome roadblocks uh, to knowing and following Jesus. And uh, if you do use version, how many of you use version? A lot of people use version. Uh, we've got a Springbrook event on there. You can follow along on version. Just look for Springbrook. And uh, you've got uh, the notes and passages. And so that's been kind of fun. I've been uh, experimenting with version. Uh, in fact, uh, my wife Carolyn and I have been wor- working through our blended uh, scripture reading plan this year. Anybody doing a scripture reading plan? I know we, uh, yeah. So we've been working through the blended plan together um, this year. And uh, we've just had a lot of fun doing that. It's the first time that we have ever sat down together, listened to a large uh, you know, section of the scripture together and actually talked about it. And we have just been having a great time um, doing that together. So I would encourage you, uh, if you don't have a reading plan, uh, you can go to our website under resources. Uh, you can still sign up for that. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking through um, Isaiah. We were reading through Isaiah, and then we were reading through the book of Mark. And uh, I was reading through Isaiah, and we were just kind of talking about one of the, the passages that just point to the supremacy of who Christ is. If you read through the book of Isaiah, it's, just, it's fascinating how many um, Old Testament scriptures just point to Jesus. And uh, we read through Isaiah, and then we came to the book of Mark. And in the book of Mark, we were listening through chapter 8. And in chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's performing some miracles, and then he's talking about who he is. And, and um, the disciples just don't understand who he is. And so it was interesting for me to read through all the passages that are pointing to who Christ is, but then to see these disciples in the book of Mark that were really struggling with understanding who Jesus is. And Jesus identifies some roadblocks for them. You know, it was really fascinating for me. The more I looked at that passage, the more God just really, there's a passage we're going to look at today. It's an exchange, it's a conversation between Jesus and the disciples. And it is absolutely fascinating. I have enjoyed studying this uh, passage. I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you this morning. But in Mark chapter 8, Jesus performs a miracle. He's with uh, the great crowds of people. Uh, There are over 4,000 people there, and they're starving, they're hungry. Jesus has compassion on them, and he he wants to feed them. And so the disciples bring to him uh, seven loaves and a few fish. And it says that they all ate. And then they sat down, and and every time I read that passage, I can't help but it was this little seed of doubt, or just this little seed of, did they really all get something to eat? I mean, maybe they were just kind of like passing the loaf along and somebody said, no, I'm not really hungry and no, I want you to have this. And so is it possible to send seven loaves of bread through this large crowd and then have really, you know, not see the multiplication of this? And so I've always kind of wrestled with what that miracle had to have looked like. You know, did did 4,000 people really eat all that bread? Did they all get full? What's interesting in that passage is you're reading through eight. It says towards the uh, middle, about verse 12, it says, they all ate until they were satisfied. And what was interesting about that was is that when you're looking at the word satisfied, it means that they, all their needs, the hunger, all of those hunger pains were gone and they were satisfied. They were full. And so if you had 4,000 people that were passing the bread along going, no, that's okay, that's okay, you have it, then they wouldn't have been satisfied. They would still be hungry. But Jesus said they ate and they ate until they were satisfied. They were full. And what's really interesting about that is, is not only they were full, but when they were done, 
they collected the baskets, and there were seven baskets of bread left over. I mean, that was just a, that was a, um, and so I read through that, and I'm thinking, what did that look like? It was like, I have this loaf of bread, and, and I pass it to you, and all of a sudden there's two in it when you get it. And then you start eating some, and I mean, you're going to eat until you're satisfied, until you're full. And then you're going to pass it to the person next to you, and what is there's like two loaves of bread in there. And so this bread is just multiplying as it moves through the crowd. And Jesus performs this amazing miracle. And the disciples are there watching all this. You know, what's interesting is, is that in Mark chapter 8, it tells a story about Jesus feeding 4,000. What's really interesting is in Mark chapter 6, he does the same miracle where he feeds over 5,000 people with two loaves. And so it's the second time he's done this miracle. And it's interesting because the disciples were present. They saw this. Jesus is doing these miracles so that he can prove to people that he is who he says he is. There's a plan and a purpose for these miracles. He's trying to help people understand that he is God in the flesh. You know, he's trying to prove to people that I am who I say I am. I'm showing these miracles to you so you can trust me. And what happens is the Pharisees get angered. The Pharisees in chapter 6, when that happens, came to test him. In chapter 8, they come to test him. Earlier in Mark chapter 3, when Jesus is performing miracles and healing people, the Pharisees were so angered by what he was saying and what he was claiming that they got together with the leaders, the Herodians, those people that were under King Herod. They got together and they plotted together how they might destroy Jesus because these miracles were pointing to his deity and the claims they were making were just creating so much anger among the Pharisees and the leaders at the time. In chapter 8, verse 11, the Pharisees come up to question Jesus, and, and they want to put him to the test. Verse 11, it says they want to test him. He says to them, why are you asking for a miraculous sign? I just gave you one. I'm not going to give you another one. And he understands that the conversations are not going to be fruitful. They're not going to go anywhere. It's going to turn into an argument. And so he leaves them. In verse 13, it says it leaves with the disciples, and he gets in the boat. And then in verse 14, it says this. The disciples had gotten in the boat with Jesus, and they had forgotten to bring some bread for themselves. They had one loaf with them in the boat. And Jesus, thinking back on this, and just kind of look at the situation, he says to the disciples, this is a captive audience, he says to them, he cautions them, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And then they start to talk about that. And this word leaven is... Uh, it's like, a, it's like starter bread. It's like how you start bread. It's like yeast. You know, my wife, when we lived up in Spring Grove, we had some good friends in there. She had some ladies, and they would make what was called Amish bread. Have anybody heard of Amish bread? Yeah, it's really good bread, and uh, it's so good. <laughs> I couldn't stop eating it. But it was interesting because these friends would bring over this starter bread, and it just stunk. It was nasty, and, and uh, you had to let it ferment and grow. I mean, it was just the nastiest stuff. And then... When you got ready to make bread, you mixed it up with your other ingredients, and then you made bread. But before you did that, you pulled off a little chunk, and you kept a little piece of starter bread so that you could make another loaf or so you could pass on another one to a friend. And so what's really interesting is you see these little chunks of leaven bread getting passed around. They're all stinky and just they're just nasty. But leaven is that starter bread. And when Jesus is talking about leaven, he's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's talking about those seeds of doubt. He's talking about that anger. He's talking about that hatred. And he's looking at the Pharisees who were the teachers at the time. And he says, beware of them. Beware of their doubt. Beware of their teaching. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Don't listen to them. Don't pay attention to them. Caution. 
when he says this, the disciples start to think about what he means. They begin discussing with other, with one another the fact that they had no bread. So Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the bread. And the disciples take that to mean, oh my gosh, we've only got one loaf of bread. So when we get to where we're going, I can't borrow leaven from somebody else. How are we going to make more bread? They're concerned about the fact that they had no bread and they missed the point of Jesus telling them, warning them to avoid the teaching of the Pharisees. And they're talking with one another about how they had no bread. Now, think about this for a second. You just watched Jesus feed 4,000 people with a couple of loaves. Before that, you watched him feed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves. If you had one loaf of bread, would there be any doubt in your mind that you had to be concerned about what you were going to eat? I mean, you think about the disciples. They had seen these miracles. They had been with Jesus. And what they get out of Jesus' warning was that they needed to be careful because they had no bread. How were they going to make some more? You know, I think if it was me, I think I would want to have more faith than that. Wouldn't you? I mean, what what prevented them from being able to see that? In verse 15, the verse goes on to say this. In verse 15, the next verse, we get to the, there we go. Jesus is aware of their conversation. And so he says to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? I just warned you about the leaven of the Pharisees. You just watched this miracle and you guys are talking about why you have no bread. I don't get that. And so he says to them, do you not perceive or understand Don't you understand who I am and what I'm doing and what I've come for? Are your hearts hardened? Do you not have eyes to see? Do you not have ears to hear? And do you not remember what just happened? And so Jesus is talking to the disciples and he identifies in this passage five roadblocks that I think keep people from being able to experience who Jesus is and understanding who he is. Do you see those five there? Do you not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you not see, hear, and remember? Those are five roadblocks that Jesus is questioning the disciples on. Are these, one of these five, are these five keeping you from understanding who I am? Those five roadblocks are what I want to look at this morning. As I was looking at these passages, these five areas that Jesus identifies in his question to the disciples are so relevant for us today because every single one of them is relevant for us. You know, I have loved our starting point class. I have been having conversations with people. I've had more conversations about who God is, both in our church and in our community. And there is just a lack of understanding about who Jesus is. You know, this question, do you not perceive or understand who I am, is reflected on, do you not know who I am and why I am here? And that's our first roadblock that we want to look at, is that there's a roadblock of understanding. You see, Jesus was God. He claimed to be God. He forgave sins, which only God could do. He's God come down, Emmanuel, God was with us. But he was also fully human. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that he was in the form of God. He did not count equality with God to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus was fully God. And that's important to understand about who he is. Earlier, uh, he wants to, uh, some friends come down 
Uh, they lower their friend down the mat and they want to get him healed. And, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. He kind of turns and then he goes on to continue teaching. And they're like, wait a second. We wanted healing. What do you mean your sins are forgiven? Now, the Pharisees heard about that. They were there they, and they, they got angry, but they knew he was blasphemy because he, being a mere man, was claiming to be God. And he said, well, which is easier? To heal or to forgive sins? Well, so that you can believe that I am who I am, stand up from your mat and walk. And so Jesus was constantly doing miracles to point people to his divinity and who he was in Christ. Jesus was God. But at the same time, he was also human, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross. Jesus' deity is important. It's understanding that he does have the authority to forgive sins. He teaches as one with authority, and what he says needs to have bearing on our life. It's important that we understand who Jesus is. I want to just talk a little bit. Of, you know, we use, uh, when you think about the world around us, it's really easy for us to get distracted you know, from, who, for, from who God is and from who Jesus is and how to have a relationship. It doesn't take much difficulty um, to just kind of get distracted. We live in a fallen and broken world. Does anybody here agree with that? You know, there is stuff always going on in my life. There's stuff going on in your life. You know, marriage is under attack. I mean, if you just think about the world that has God intended and what you see now, there's just this gap. And there's a brokenness in our world. And you don't have to look very long or very far to see that. But that's how, not, how God designed it. You know, work is a biblical principle. God, before this fall, even before Eve had placed Adam in the garden to work, work is good. But because of sin that has entered into the world, cursed is the ground that we're having to labor on now. So now our work is laborious. There's nothing wrong with work, but because the ground is cursed, our work is much more difficult. You know, if you look about the, just the order of marriage, you know, God created Adam from the dust. He created Eve from his ribs. And he said, this is why a man should leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. And he established marriage. And, you know, our world is broken now because of sin. And so if you look at God's design for the world and what we're experiencing right now, there's this huge gap. And it's because of sin that has entered into the world. And that's where Jesus comes into play. Jesus comes down. Why we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Jesus comes down to help us with this problem of sin. And so he offers us a solution. He says, this broken world that you're in, you don't have to live in that. That doesn't have to be your experience. I've come so that you can have life and have it to the full. All you need to do is understand and focus on who I am. That's where we come to an understanding of who Jesus is. We repent and we believe. We repent of our sin. We turn our lives and our control over to him. We stop living selfish lives for ourselves. We start living for him and we repent from our sin and we believe that he's God. We believe that he died on the cross for our sins and we place our faith in him. And that's the gospel, the fact that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. That is good news. After we do that, we begin to pursue and we begin to recover and we begin to work towards God's design. And so this understanding who Jesus is is central to us being able to understand God's design for us how we're to live out our life, what his plan and purpose is for us. And Jesus is the central figure in that. He is the good news. God shows his love for us in this. However, we're still sinners. Christ died for us. That is the gospel. That is the good news. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. From what? From sin. From this fallen and broken world. God places a new song in your mouth. You have a new hope for your life. And we place our help, we place our faith in Christ, we confess Him, and then we begin to experience new life. 
Paul writes in Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we are recovering and pursuing this new life that God has for us because of who we are in Christ. Jesus Christ is the central figure for having forgiveness of sins, for having a right relationship with God and being able to explore all that God has for us in this life. And so when Jesus does this miracle, the point to his deity, and he warns the disciples to beware of the leaven from the bed, they miss this. They start talking about the bread. You know, we need to experience new life as we begin moving back towards God's design for us. And Jesus is the central figure of that. We need to understand who he is. Our conversations with people need to be seasoned with salt. When we talk about God, we've got to talk about the centrality of Christ. It is so easy to talk about God, but we've got to get people to start talking about understanding who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh. And so it's not just about God, but about understanding who Jesus is. That is the first roadblock for people understanding how to have a relationship with him is just understanding who he is. Understanding who Jesus is can be a roadblock. The second roadblock that we experience that Jesus talks about the disciples is this issue of a hardened heart. He said, do you not understand? Are your hearts hardened? A hardened heart is reflected of a life of rebellion. It's doing things our way, not God's way. You know, it's tax time. I'm filling out my taxes. And the whole time I'm filling out those little forms, I'm thinking, give to Caesar who is Caesar. Give to Caesar who is Caesar's. You know, it's so, you know, just honesty with our tax time. And so when you're filling out taxes, it's an issue. It's a hard issue. You know, are you going to do things your way or are you going to submit to governing authorities? You know, if I'm lying, if there's sin in my life, the Bible says to go left and I go right, that's rebellion. That's having a hardened heart. It's difficult to do what the Bible teaches when there's, a conflict of wills in our life. And that's an issue of the heart. Romans 12.1 says this, Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. But they became futile in their thinking and foolish, and their hearts were darkened. They were hardened. They knew God, but they did not honor him. They did not give him his rightful place in their life. They did not live for him. They didn't honor him with their finances, with their time, with their relationships. They knew about God, but they did not honor him. As a result of their foolish thinking, their hearts were hardened. And so this issue of having a hard heart is something that Jesus is asking of the disciples. Do you not understand who I am? Are your hearts hardened? I mean, is it your stomach or is it about my will? And so Jesus challenges their condition of their heart. In Psalm 119, verse 7, it says this, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes do not utterly forsake me. And so the condition of our heart will affect our relationship with Jesus. It reflects our ability to understand and fully experience the full life that is promised to us. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your right rules. What are right rules? It's Scripture. You know, when we read through Scripture and we study this, you know, we start to learn about God's plan for us. We start to understand what it means to live rightly and we begin to experience the life that is ours hard hearts will prevent us from being able to know and experience the full love of God understand who Jesus is 
And so we've got to understand who he is. We have to make sure that our heart is right. And then a third roadblock that we see Jesus talk to them about is with their eyes. You know, sometimes you just don't get to see what God is really doing, and it can be a roadblock. You know, God is doing an amazing work around us. God is doing amazing things this morning. He did amazing things yesterday. And so if I were to ask you, can you think of one thing that God did in the last week that you could celebrate? God is doing amazing things, and we just don't have the eyes to see that sometimes. We get distracted by our circumstances, by our own needs, by our own situation. The disciples were distracted by the fact that they were hungry and they only had one loaf, and now what are we going to do? We get so easily distracted. And it's understandable because we what? We live in a fallen and broken world. Because there's an evil one out there that does not want us to have a relationship with God, that is roaming around like a lion looking for something to devour. And so our battle is not just against the physical things, but the spiritual things, the heavenly things as well. There's a battle for you. You know, we have security in who we are in Christ. There's no battle between good and evil. Jesus defeated evil. He overcame Satan when he rose from the grave. He defeated death. And so there is no battle between good and evil. But there is a battle for you. And we get easily distracted. When we get distracted, it takes our eyes off of who Jesus is. That's what happened to Peter in Matthew chapter 14. Peter is with the disciples. They're in a boat. And uh, Jesus starts to walk across the water. Jesus calls him out. It says what? Jesus said, come to me. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. And he was coming to Jesus. And then what happened? He saw the wind and he became afraid and he began to sink. We are easily distracted by our circumstances. And I understand how easy it is to distract us. I get distracted. My family gets distracted. You get distracted. We all get distracted. We take our eyes off of Christ and who he is. And we lose sight of that. And we don't give God credit. We don't glorify him for the things that he's doing in our lives and and. and And it's a distraction. It's a roadblock to our being able to understand who Jesus is. When we don't have eyes to see, when we don't look at things from God's perspective, then we are distracted. And it's a roadblock for us. It's a roadblock. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles us. It's, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are people around you that can testify to the work that God has done in their lives. There, are, there is evidence of God working in the lives of people around us. If we will just look with our eyes and see, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Open your eyes and see. And as a result of that, we can also lay aside every weight and sin which so easily clings to us. Let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. And let's go to this next verse. And let's look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I don't know what you're going through. We're all going through something. My family's going through something. You're going through something. Let us not take our eyes off of who he is. Let us focus on him. He is the founder and the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured crucifixion and death on the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of God. It is a barrier to our understanding who Jesus is when we don't look 
with our eyes at the things that God is doing around us. We need to open our eyes. We need to slow down and see things from God's perspective. Roadblock three was having eyes to see. Roadblock four was having ears to hear. We need to have ears to hear. Yeah, let's go to this next verse. So, in Luke uh, chapter 11, Jesus is teaching. And he's making some claims about himself. He's teaching, uh, he's teaching people about who he is, about his commands. And so, if Jesus was speaking to me, I think that I would be listening to what he had to say. You know, I, I am, uh, by admission, not a very good listener. <laughs> I have, uh, I will listen. I will get just enough information to make a decision. I had, uh, in fact, I had to apologize to my wife. She had to say to me just two days ago, it happens almost, it happens a little routinely. I just told you that. Now, in all fairness, my head was a little filled. I've got some not science things going on. So sometimes I really don't hear her. So sometimes I kind of catch a glimpse out of my eyes. Sometimes I hear but I don't really fully understand what she was saying. And so, um, you know, last week she kind of called me on it. She said, I just told you that. Were you not listening to me? Well, no, I was trying to do something else. I was a little bit distracted. You know, my ears were not prompted and I wasn't paying attention. And so Jesus is speaking to this crowd. If Jesus himself was standing right here and he was telling you something important, would you be listening to him? I would not be thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch, what was for breakfast. If Jesus was speaking to me, I would be listening to him. I'd be hanging on his every word. But in the back of the crowd, this woman yells out in the midst of this and says, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast in which you were nursed. What is that? That had nothing to do with what I was talking about. That just kind of came out of nowhere. And so Jesus looks over and he says, No, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. If you want blessing in your life, Read Scripture. Do what it says. That's where blessing comes from. We need to listen to Jesus. We need to listen to His Word. And then when we read it, we need to do it. In fact, in James 1.25, that's exactly what it says. It says this, But the one who looks into the purpose law, the law of liberty, and uh, preserves, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what he was doing. Don't be like the person that hears the word and then goes off and does his own thing. If you want to be blessed, be like the one who looks into the perfect law and being not just a hearer, forgetting it, but does what it says, he will be blessed. And so we come to Scripture. You know, we need to be looking for what God has for us. We need to be prepared to listen. And so many times when I get up in the morning, it is so hard for me because I wake up in the morning, I think about the ten things that i got waiting for me. And I have to pull, pull myself over to my Bible. And I have to say, man, I have got so much to do. I've got to focus on this. It is so hard to put ourselves in a position to be able to hear with ears to hear. And if we don't do that, it is a roadblock to our being able to experience and fully know who Jesus is. Not having ears to hear are a roadblock for us experiencing who Jesus is and all that he has for us. And the disciples are in that boat. And it says, do you not understand? Do you, do, you, do, you not, do you not have ears to hear? Did you, did you not 
Hear what I just said with you about the Pharisees and the leaven. Do you not understand what's going on there? They weren't listening. They were thinking about their food and the bread, and, and they missed the point of what Jesus had to say. They weren't listening to what Jesus was saying. And that is a roadblock for our being able to experience and know God fully. The fifth roadblock that Jesus mentioned in that passage was remembering. Do you not remember? Do you not remember what I just happened? I mean, I just fed thousands of people with a couple loaves of bread. Do you not remember that? I mean, you've been with me all this time. And, and when we don't remember what God has done, when, his, when we forget His faithfulness, it is a roadblock to our growing in our faith. It is a roadblock to growing our faith when we don't stop to remember what God has done. I love the book of Joshua. Joshua and Caleb are probably two of my favorite men in the Bible. They go out to spy out the land, and they come back with this report saying, hey, we can take it. There's some big people in there, but, man, God is awesome, and he's going to go before us, and we can take the land. And everybody else starts grumbling, and, oh, we don't want to go. Well, as a result of that, they don't go. They're disobedient. They didn't go in to take the land God told them. And they had to wander through the desert for 40 years to clean out all the people of disbelief until finally... The new generation rises up. Joshua gets to lead him into the promised land. And in chapter 4, he moves them in to take over the land. And it says when his feet hit the water, the water stopped and they crossed. God promised him that if you are obedient and go to where I'm going, I'm going to go before you. And when it happens, God does it. God does exactly what he said he was going to do. He didn't get there and think, oh man, he stepped into that water with the full confidence that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. He remembered the promises of God and he was obedient and God was faithful. Right after they cross over to the other side in chapter 4, he says to the people of Israel, God tells them, when you get to the other side, I want you to put some stones in the middle of the river. Grab some stones from the middle of the river and put them over on the side of the river bank. And when your kids come to you and they say, what are these stones? You shall let your children know. You shall remember what I did and you shall tell others what I did. You shall let your children know. Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. Praise God. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over it. And then he goes on to say in the rest of that verse, the Lord your God did the same thing in the Red Sea when he dried up for us that same water. So that the peoples of the earth may what? Know that the hand of God is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. We have got to remember God's faithfulness. And we have to share that with other people. When you don't remember and when you don't share, it's a roadblock for you. It's a roadblock for others. When you share with somebody what God has done in your life, It draws you closer to Him. It strengthens your relationship with Him. It breaks down barriers and roadblocks. And it encourages the people that you're with. That's what Peter's talking about in 1 Peter. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason that the hope is in you. Yet do it with jealousy and respect. Be prepared to tell someone. What God is doing in your life, when you remember that, it breaks down barriers. When we, when, we, when we pull back, when we don't share our faith with others, it is a roadblock for us being able to experience all that God has done for us. God has saved you and has called you into a relationship with himself for a reason. So that you could be a witness 
Don't have to be an evangelist. Don't have to preach. Just so that you can share with somebody else what God has done in your life. And when you don't share your faith, it is a roadblock for you being able to experience all that God has for you. And so when Jesus looks at the disciples in the boats and he says, look, do you not remember what I just did? Why are you guys talking about bread? Why aren't you sitting in the boat talking about, wow, I can't believe he just fed that many people with those loaves of bread. They were distracted. They did not remember what God had done for them. It was a roadblock to their being able to experience all that Christ had for them. And so as you look at this passage, I'm listening, just kind of listening to Isaiah, listening four chapters a day. (laughs) I got to verse 8, and something about that verse just struck me. Jesus does this miracle. You've got the, the disciples talking in the boat about the bread, and Jesus is like, wow, do you not get it? Do you not understand? Do you not hear? Look at these next five. Here's the list of the five. Do you not understand? Are your hearts hard? Do you not have eyes to see? Do you not have ears to hear? Do you not remember what I have done? These five things are roadblocks to our experiencing the fullness of who God is. The roadblocks to others experiencing an understanding of who Jesus is. If somebody that you know doesn't have a relationship with Christ, it could be because... You don't understand who he is because your hearts, your eyes haven't seen, you haven't remembered. When we share our faith, other people are drawn into that. Spiritual conversations are a blast. And you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to share what God has done in your life. And each one of us is on a journey. My wife and I have been married for 32 years this year. We got married on October 18th, 1985. We got married. That's when the marriage started, right? I'm still working on it. I haven't figured it out yet. Has anybody figured it out yet? <laughs> anybody brave enough to say, yeah, I figured it out? You're constantly working on your marriage relationship. You know, my kids have gone through college. I've got one left, and they're, they're figuring life out on their own right now. And, and so as children, it's fun to watch our children grow. You know, you might be in school. You might be in college right now. You might be single or married. We are all on a spiritual journey. The Bible says that we've been created in God's image We're spiritual beings, and as a result, every single one of us is on a spiritual journey. And our ability to experience growth, our ability to experience the fullness of what God has for us is impacted by what we do with these five barriers. So this morning, I just want to ask, as you look through this list of five, do you you have one of these that might resonate with you? You know, if I was going to ask you, you which one of these fives is a barrier in your life, how would you answer that question? It's important. It's important for you to experience the fullness of God. It's a part of our vision and our mission of making passionate disciples of Christ that people will be able to remove barriers and experience spiritual growth. That's why we're here, to help people experience growth. And so this morning, I want to ask you, which of those five do you think kind of resonates with you? On the inside of your program, you should have a spiritual journey guide. There's a picture of it here. We talk about spiritual growth. I'm betting that... In this room right now, that there is no one that would say, I'm not interested in God. I don't believe God exists. This is a waste of time. I would probably guess that there's no one that is not interested in being here. You wouldn't be here. I have been there. (laughs) I thought, you want to go to church? That's good for you. Leave me alone. And so I never would have stepped into a church when I was not interested. The church is not where you would have found me. 
And I know people that are there. I'm having conversations with people all the time that are not interested. And so it's not uncommon to find people that are not interested. I don't think there's anybody here this morning. But this morning, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what? There is more to this life than what I'm experiencing right now. You know, maybe you've come to church this morning. You're kind of curious about what Christianity is. Maybe you struggle with some of the negative images of Christianity that, you know, it is so sad. We, as a church, I hear all the time, well, I'm not going to go to church because somebody did this to me in another church. And so, you know, there's a variety of reasons why people don't want to go to church, why they don't want to come to faith in Christ. But they are kind of curiously seeking. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I know there's something more. I'm coming here to find answers. You told me to come and you'd help me, so I'm here. Help me. And so there might be some people that are sitting out there right now and you're thinking, you know what? I am seeking. I do want to know more. I want to know more about how to have a relationship with God. I want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ. That is, we need, you, you need to repent and you need to believe. We're trying to move people towards the gospel, towards the good news, towards the Christ. We're all sinners. No one's perfect. We all fall short of the glory of God. Jesus is the solution. We want to help people to understand that Jesus is the solution. We want you to understand who Jesus is. And maybe this morning... You just need to make cross that line of faith. Or maybe you've crossed that line of faith and you made a faith commitment 20 years ago and you've been going to church, but it's like, <clears throat> I haven't experienced life to the full. Have you started to embrace biblical values? Are you, are, you, are you growing in community? Are you connected to this body of Christ? Are you sharing and learning from Scripture together? Are you growing in community? Or are you living missionally? And so every one of us is going to be at one of those places. There's a difference between the need for repenting and believing and for pursuing this life. Jesus Christ is the centrality of that. That's the gospel. And so maybe you need to make a faith commitment this morning. On this next slide, there's a sample prayer for you. Go ahead and go to the next slide. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you need to understand that your life is broken. You're not perfect. You are. We have sin. It was hard for me to say I'm a sinner. My life is broken. I, I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Jesus is God. He came to live, die, and raise me from the grave to, to, to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I repent and turn from my selfish ways. I put my trust in you. I know Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to obey and pursue after him. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you, if you don't understand, if you haven't understood who he was, it's my prayer for you this morning that you would understand that Jesus is God, that he came to die for your sins, and that through a relationship with him, you have the assurance of full life. That would be my prayer that you'd be able to commit your life to Christ today. Go back to that previous passage, John six twenty and John six forty four. No one comes to the Father, no one comes to the Son unless the Father who sent me draws him, and then I'm going to raise him up on the last day. If you or someone you know doesn't have a relationship with Christ, the best place to start is start praying. God, please draw this person to myself. God, I don't fully understand all this, but I want a relationship with you. Draw me to yourself. No one comes to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws him. Pray to your Father in heaven that he would draw you into a relationship with himself through, your, through his Son. And pray that prayer. You know, if that is your next step today, I want to encourage you, don't leave today without taking that step. And so if I was going to split people into a room, there's people that have made a faith commitments and there's people that have not. So haves and have nots. And there's a dividing line down the road. There is no gray. You either do or you don't. And if you do have a relationship with Christ, a great prayer would, would be this in First John in chapter uh, 2. Whoever says, I do know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. 
By this way we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in him in the same way in which he walked. And so you have a relationship with Christ this morning. What does your walk look like? How are you doing it keeping his commandments? Are you hearing? Are you seeing? What does this look like for you? You you have a communication card that Matt mentioned. It's attached to the uh, right side of your program. I want to encourage you to tear that out with me. This morning, um, on the back of that, there's a place to just say, uh, I want some information about how to commit my life to Christ. This morning, if it's your desire to understand with ears and see and hear and remember all that God's done, if it's your desire to place your faith in Christ today, I want you to just put a little mark on that uh, communication card. We're going to collect those in just a moment. I want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ. And maybe this morning, um, you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I've had a relationship with Christ, but... I'm not quite sure which one of those areas is a roadblock for me. If you've identified one of those areas that's a roadblock, make that your prayer this morning. Say, God, I've got this roadblock that's affecting my walk with you. I want you to help me to be able to overcome that. If you've got questions about how we can help you to take your next step on your spiritual journey and how we can help you to overcome those barriers, I want to encourage you to let us know about how to do that. So that communication card is there for you to communicate with us and let us know how we can help you. It's an opportunity for us to share what God has done in your life. It's an opportunity for us to remember together that God is alive. His Word is active in changing lives. And we can celebrate um, that together. Our communion team or our uh, ushers are going to come up in just a moment. And we're going to collect those. But before we do that, would you just uh, would you pray with me uh, that God would uh, grow us in our faith, that He would accomplish His will and His plans in our life. Father, I just thank You for this day You've given us today. And I might just know that there are a lot of questions in our culture about who Jesus is. I, you know, just the statistics are staggering. Um, just, you know, what happens when you die? Just, you know, ask your neighbor that this week. It's just, you know, it's just, there's a lot of confusion about who God is. God, I thank you that we can stand firm in your word. Uh, God, I thank you for sending your son. I just pray that you would continually draw us into a relationship with yourself. No one comes to the son unless you draw them. And so, Father, draw people here this morning that don't have a relationship with you into that relationship so we can celebrate that with them so they can have the assurance of eternal life. Father, I just thank you for um, just for my relationship with Christ. I thank you for those of us that have been able to say, I'm standing firm on who I am in Christ. I recognize that there are roadblocks. Those were the disciples. They were with Jesus in the flesh. They were right there. They could touch him and see him, and yet there were still roadblocks in their life, and we have roadblocks. And so I just pray that you'd help us to be able to break those down in our own lives. God, so that we can experience the fullness of all that you would have for us. And God, I thank you for this time that we could share together today. We look forward to all that you have for us. You know, probably these things in Christ's name. Amen.